Hello everybody, Johnny here, and you are listening to Music Seeds, the music that made us. Been contemplating a few things the last few days, as far as inspiration, motivation, what drives us to want to do artistic things and express ourselves in some form of way, whether it be through music, film, writing, many different ways. You can artistically express yourself, but also there's a lot of things that are in our minds at times that we try to get out through our art or through verbally expressing it in some form of social media or however it may be. We, we tend to uh, have these feelings inside of us that uh, some of us feel we need to get out and uh, talk about and sing and write and all those things I've just said. And the last couple days especially, I've uh, been watching some Behind the Music episodes. And um, right before I recorded this here, I was watching From the Cradle to the Stage with Dave Grohl and his mother. And the first episode was with Dan Reynolds and his mother, Dan Reynolds of Imagine Dragons, the lead singer, and I felt a kinship with him, to be honest. I, I definitely felt like I relate to him 100%. He was raised a Mormon, and I was raised Catholic. One thing our religions have definitely done to us in some form of way is made us feel guilty for knowing what is right, whether that be that we are human and we make mistakes and we learn from those mistakes or whether it is um, the way we treat each other because of gender or sexual orientation or religion or ethnicity. There's a lot of different things that people do is judge people on their views, their thoughts, their way of thinking. And as I've always said from the start of this podcast and many other recordings, I um, want us to try to do better to understand one another. I want us to try to take a moment to listen, take a moment to express, and do our best to take care of each other out there. And that is easier said than done, especially when we have angst in some of us and we feel that people are trying to change who we are or want us to be a certain way. And it's not always easy to do that. It's not always easy to make others happy and some people say you should just make yourself happy well sometimes making yourself happy is getting you worried on making others happy so i've always said that therapy helps you understand your thoughts and tries to channel that energy and those thoughts in some positive way and uh my positive way obviously is music and that's why i recorded this podcast and that's why i get such enjoyment out of the way music makes me feel but also I love how it makes others feel because when you relate to others and the way that enjoyment is expressed it is almost in some sort of ways like a religion and uh, to me I've always said that music is my religion and I've said time times before I go to certain churches whether it be the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or Red Rocks or 
a concert for that matter. And um, I uh, just want to take this time to actually express those, you know, thoughts and those ideas. And I always love letting people know that you're not alone in your thoughts because I know there's a lot of you that feel this way. And that is, we want us to do better to try and get along. We want to express ourselves through our arts. I know also who paint and draw and to me that's a great way to express and show your um, inner self. So I hope to at some point reach out to a lot of these artists and get to know their musical background but also get to know why they became an artist or a writer or a filmmaker or musician for that matter. I've thought a lot about the podcast and where it's going and how it makes me feel when I go back and listen to certain episodes and some are more happier than others but I'm a toughest critic I believe I I have so much more potential to see where this this thing will go and I hope that I continue to grow and I hope I continue to have people work with me on this like I have had in the past but I also want to be able to reach people in some sort of positive way so with these little introductions like I've been doing here and there I just want you all to know that you're not alone and um, your thoughts are important especially when you're trying to do your best to be a positive beacon in this world Dan Reynolds definitely is a positive beacon in this world and with him being Mormon and supporting the LGBTQ community and having the support from the Mormon community with that it's it's amazing thing to see and feel but i also love to see how people get through and conquer through in their most difficult times and strive for themselves to get where they want whether they are a musician or artist in some form and like with behind the music it definitely shows the struggles people go through when they even get fame and and prevailing through those times when it is the most difficult whether, you know, you hurt yourself and you need to get better physically in some sort of form or way. It's, it's hard to get through those health issues sometimes. And that is a prevalence in itself, especially when your career is something of um, an art form that needs to have your physicality to, to do it. And sometimes we struggle with inside, too, trying to get out the things inside of us. And we feel we have to hide who we are inside of us sometimes because it shows some sign of weakness or unacceptance because of whatever you are or what you're feeling. And to prevail through those things is admirable. I just wanted to get that stuff out because, you know, whether you're driving down the road listening to this, working out, walking, sitting around just listening to it in general, sometimes all we have is our thoughts and sometimes we feel the need to want to keep things inside and I just want to let you know that I hope this podcast in some form or way is an outlet and it's fun and entertaining but I definitely am emotional when it comes to music and when certain songs hit me I become an emotional uh, person I wanted to express my thoughts and feelings before we start the next episode here of Mr. Jeremy McCree, Mr. Jack Miller and myself, Johnny on the best albums of 1992. Now, take this in mind. This was a list of albums that I found off the internet. If 
something of your choice did not make it into the list of the best albums of 92, please feel free to reach out to me and let me know what your favorite album of 92 was. I do think this is a pretty good list. There's a good uh, array of uh, styles and music. We tend to cover some things more intensely than others and thoroughly, but um, in no regards does that mean that we did not appreciate these other albums. It's just we could go on and on and on about it. So um, enjoy this episode. I hope that if you are interested in reaching out, that you listen after the podcast for those outlets in order to get a hold of me or anybody that I converse with here. Also, feel free to reach out to me if you want to sit down and do a podcast. I would love to hear from you. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Thank you for subscribing and reviewing. And without any further ado, here's part two of The Best Albums of 92. Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds. The music that made us. I was a fan of these guys, and I have friends that are fans of these guys, and I've never seen them, and I'd like to see them. And they had an album come out that year called Apollo 18, and that was They Might Be Giants. You know, that's an acquired taste, you know. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, yeah. they're, very, diff- they're very different. They're very mm-hmm. creative. Actually, I like a lot of their stuff, too. Um, I, try, I was trying to remember if I actually have ever seen them. I, don't, I never saw them. I was confusing them with another band, another odd band. The guy, the guy who sings really low. Crash Test Dummies? Crash Test Dummies. Yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. those guys live. and Actually, I saw them live twice. They're amazing live. <laughs> their first <laughs> album is their first album is their best album. Oh yeah, they're they're really good. They're best just you know okay, but yeah, um, they might be giants is pretty good. They, like, like you said, they're they're kind of a fringe band that uh, that all the nerds like. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, it's yeah, it seems a, to be their 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 audience. Yeah, um, somebody had an album come out this year also who is huge now on his own, but at the time this was like his big break. He was in a band called the Disposable Heroes of Hypocrisy. And the album was called Hypocrisy is the Greatest Luxury. That was Michael Frante. This was his band that got him. Four Spearhead? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They opened up. I actually got to see them open up for U2 that that year previously, I believe. It was them, Primus, and then U2. The name of the band, I remember the name of the band. I just remember that Michael Frante was in there. Yeah. I only knew it was from Spearhead. Even then, I'm only a um, passing interest in um, Los Lobos had an album out called Kiko. And, I like some of their stuff. Yeah, me too. And they definitely, you know, it was nice. To, uh, saying, listen to the diversity here, you yeah. know, these albums that came out. And, like, I'm saying, we're going to be all over the place. There's some good stuff coming. Here's another good one coming that you guys love and like. Fear of the Dark, Iron Maiden, 1992. No. Uh, no. No? See, yeah, see the hesitance in Alabama. Jeremy, Jeremy and I are both huge Maiden fans. Yeah. And and it's a it's a good al- it's a good album. That's about the the best. Oh, okay. Say. You want to look at the progression of that? That's when Bruce. It was, it was left near the band. The, yeah. It was near the end, and he had to go out and do his solo stuff. Uh-huh. And so it, and I can't even say like I'm such a diehard fan because I really haven't liked anything uh-huh. for the past twenty years, right? I I, I appreciate them. I'm I'm stuck in the, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, call myself out and say that I'm stuck in the '80s when it comes to Iron Maiden. Okay, I tend to agree. Uh, I don't care much for the right, name material, either. right? But Fear of the Dark was, in my opinion, transition. 
No, there wasn't a no, transition. It was, it was, it was the end. It, 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 the end <laughs> in the aspect that, that it was like... Uh, the end of that era. Let's put so, it that so if you listen to Iron Maiden from, from the group, not Paul Diano, it can even call Paul Diano in there as well, right? If you listen to Iron Maiden, their sound has never changed. Okay, mm-hmm. and you can listen to all their albums back to back, and there's always a story in every single yeah. album, right? And that has to do with the writing, it has to do with the music. If I was going to equate, and I hate to say this, and it kind of breaks my heart to say this, if I was going to equate Fear the Dark with anything, I would equate it with Enter, with with uh, the Black album from Metallica. Mm-hmm. It was a very commercial album. Mm-hmm. It was something that I think that I don't know. Maybe at the time Bruce was like, "I'm about to leave." He didn't know it. He had made the decision. He needed to go okay. on and do his other stuff. But if you listen to Fear the Dark, I mean, you listen to Balls to Picasso and um, the writing on the wall or whatever, no, whatever, whatever the second and the third Bruce Dickinson albums are. Yeah, those four albums all go the same. Yeah. They're all, you know what I'm saying, even with Bruce losing all the musicians, the studio musicians mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then he left, and, and then and then they did their own thing with uh, Blade, 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 Blade. Terrible. And, and, and they came back, and so I, I really, it's a great album. It has a, heart, a spot in my heart in high school when it yeah. first came out. But well, I guess what I mean by transition is like maybe they were transitioning as far as like, you know, they had their their time before, and then everything was changing. And they were trying to maybe to feel out what they were going to do next. And it then... was them trying to fit okay. in in the nineties yeah. in that in that time frame uh-huh. because Iron Maiden is if you if you in my opinion their sound has never changed yeah and their sound at the time did not fit in anything with that time mm-hmm. and that was them trying to fit in at that time frame yeah right because now, now now it doesn't make a difference they can release an album today that sounds absolutely like anything that they did in the in the eighties right yeah that's that's just who they are. But that was a weird transition in music, going back to Nirvana, yeah. and you know, it was a very weird transition for music. Especially, well, especially metal, because metal right. was right, metal right. was kind of right. lost at the time. It wasn't; right. yeah. it had fallen out of favor commercially. Right. Not that not to us, metal, well, had, but I mean, commercially, it wasn't the big thing. And and bands like that were trying to—he's absolutely right—trying to find their way. Right. Fear of the Dark was a, as a it's a great song yeah. in their catalog, and it just wasn't. Their heart wasn't in that album. Right. Really. Yeah, you can that's, tell. You can tell exactly. They were going through the motions. Okay, and that's why I'm going to tie into the albums we just mentioned. The two that we just mentioned is like Psalm 69, and then Vulgar Display. You know, like those albums were like the transitional right. points. Yes. Like, hey, we you brought us this far. This is where we're going now. The difference between those two things is uh-huh. that um, the t- um, sorry, Ministry and Pantera. Pretty much just made the albums they want and said "fuck you" to the exactly. industry in general. And said, "Well, we don't give a shit if you buy this or not. This is what we're gonna do." Yes. Where Maiden was making a conscious effort to fit yes. in and sell to records. Fit, yes. yeah. not, not, and I'm not not disparaging Iron Maiden. They, they're one of my all time favorite bands, and, and I respect all those guys. Um, but just a matter that that's what was happening at that time yeah. for that record. That's that's the difference between those two things. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they they both came out that year, but one was wildly successful. Fear the Dark did not sell nearly as many things of peace of mind and you know yeah. all the other and other albums of that, you know, of you know, Power Slave no. and, and the earlier Maiden records. And even the, or, or even the ones out a couple couple of, what was the other one um Virtual 11 Yeah, all of them certainly other but there's other albums. I'm just saying there's yeah, other albums. Yeah. Okay. So let's continue on we can, no we can, i'm we just saying a, we can do an entire episode that's what i'm saying no sure. so, so this is what great about this year though if you think about yeah, it there it was a big transitional right. year in music you're listening looking at all these the albums thing, the thing here, about you know? this like jeremy and i have very just very like, the almost exact same opinion on that record and some of listeners podcasts might be screaming at the radio going what's the matter with you guys that's my favorite maiden record Good on you, right. and that's just our opinion. And I yeah. hope you enjoy. It. I don't have anything against. Have we just saw Bruce Dickinson's spoken word? I thought it was amazing. I enjoyed every every second of that, and I'm so glad we were able to enjoy that together. 
the three oh, of us. <laughs> somebody made their debut also this year and still is huge. Just released a movie on Netflix with his original band, White Zombie, came out that year. But it actually wasn't their debut. They had an album that came out before that. Really? It was the album yes. that made them big. That, this was their commercial success. That was their success. commercial success. Okay. That was the one that yeah, they, they, they did have one that kind of came out under the radar. La Saxaristo. The Sex Aristo is yeah yeah this one with Kendrick is sixty five yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I you couldn't it was out of print for the longest time yeah it was it was kind of, uh, kind of came and went they yeah. they made it made no waves at all in the music yeah. industry somehow they were able to record the second album and that's you know so Thunderkiss sixty five yeah. put them on the map you know that and song it, and then the rest is history so it catapulted them to yes, where they to need where they to are now. so what I don't know you probably know more than me then I'd like to know what happened other than him. Just being able to make it his own by making him his name, was there something wrong with the band, or was he just I'm gonna do everything on my own now? As far as I know, I didn't. I don't think I've ever actually read anything. But the, the little things I did catch, I think it was just a matter of he's such a creative. He wanted the control. He had nothing. Nothing against the players he was playing with. He wanted the to be in control yeah. of everything. It's almost like the Smashing Pumpkins. Billy Corgan, yes. same kind of thing, and it's a matter of just you have a vision and you want it done a certain way, and if you don't have that control for good or bad, yes, that's why. And I think that, I and it was a smart decision yeah. on his behalf. I guess. I, I mean, you, he's I mean, still he's still doing what he wants to do to this I, day. I like his music much better than his movies, but that's, yeah. that's another story. Yeah, he's the that Rob Zombie is the first and only mosh pit that I've ever participated in. Yeah. <laughs> All the mosh pits that I could have been in was at the Mammoth Theater before it was even. Um, no, maybe maybe that's a good that's a good it is a good album and we, we don't know even if we don't know what happened with them him and as as white zombie um they were a good band and it was fun i mean i enjoyed that album. this album was their follow-up to one of the biggest selling albums of all time from their previous album which wouldn't go away for years <laughs> and it was their follow-up to hysteria Def leopard and that was adrenalize Remember that when I do, and it's a it's a good album, and it's it's tough when you put out a fantastic that album, was the biggest album ever. Right. But they they were on an upward trajectory at that point because you know High and Dry was a, was a good oh, album, the, the and a great fucking great excellent. Album. Album. Mania was a great album, great album. So I mean, so you know, they were already climbing that mountain, and you got to hit the point, the top at some point. And Adrenalize was good. But not as good. As hysteria, you know? Exactly. You know. you know. So I mean, you know, everybody peaks, and you yeah. know, and, I, and to be perfectly honest, I don't think Leopard Leopard has ever re- re- reached that again. Yeah. They, they put out fair to Midland music ever since. It's and, like and, ACDC, in my opinion. Like yeah. you're gonna get this. No, it's like this is what we are. This is how it's gonna be. Is it gonna be back in black? No. Right. And, that, and that's fine, and, that, and not not disparaging Def Leppard too, because I love those guys. They're fun. Uh-huh. I've seen them several times in concert. And they're always put on a good yeah, show. Yeah. Uh, Rick Allen is probably a better drummer than half people out there with two arms. <laughs> so yeah, I mean that that alone is worth yeah. the price of admission because he's a fantastic drummer. Um, and and, and, they, and, they still, and they're still good. They're still a solid band. That kind of this kind of harkens back to what we t- touched on last time when I was saying when bands past the point of relevance, you get to a point where it's like okay. If you want to continue to put out new music, hell, definitely put out a new album this year. And it just, yeah. it was, I listened to a lot of it and it yeah. was okay. But it's just like, okay. But you could go you know, on their show and you're going to have a good time. Exactly. I'm not, and once yeah. again, I'm not trying to knock him. You know, hey, if you love that album, cool. It's, it's music is art. It's all relative. I just, yeah. this is, this is my platform to express my opinion. Well, <laughs> I got to give respect to where respects due here. Dre got a lot of the attention that year for hip hop. 
But there was a lot of hip-hop albums that came out that year that still stand the test of time. Arrested Development had their debut come out that year. Three Years, Five Months, and Two Days came out. Redman had um, from Wu-Tang Clan. What the album, Gangstar, Daily Operation. Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth had Mecca and the Soul Brother. Um, Ice Cube had The Predator. Eric B. and Rakim had Don't Sweat That Technique. So these were really big hip-hop albums that came out this year. But somebody had, who's still around to this day, had an album come out that year. A really good R&B vocalist, Mary J. Blige, had What's the 411 come out that year. Mary so J. That, Blige is an icon in in, that, in her genre, for yes. sure. I, I like her a lot, too. I, I've always enjoyed her. Great voice. We had Affix Twins had an album come out this, that year, too. Affix Twins? Affix Twins. Pavement had an album come out here, Slanted and Enchanted. There you have a big alternative following. Along That's with, another band I kind of I knew of, and I was I, I'm like, exactly. Yeah, I'm just just the same thing with this band here, Sonic Youth, Dirty. They had a big following, but not one of somebody I went down. They were like the feedback guys, you know. Like, I I still to this day don't understand um, the critics' love of that band because they're they're I guess you call them a noise rock band. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had they had that great jam, that great. Uh, Pop hit uh, "Bull in the Heather." Uh, that's a, that's a great song. I mm-hmm. love that track. But I mean, as far as a, as a whole, I'm sorry, I just don't get him. Yeah, I don't get it. <laughs> this album came out, and this was a huge album for him. And to still have a career to this day for over what sixty years, uh, Neil Young had "Harvest Moon" come out that year, and it was an acoustic album, and oh, it was yeah, huge for him. Yeah, I was gonna say I agree. That is a great album, and mm-hmm. Neil Young is he's another icon, someone who's been doing it a long time. You know, it's, it harkens back to that, you know, that the 60s, the, the hippie 60s, you know, the Stephen Stills and, and, the, and the likes and all the singer-songwriters. He's just always going to be around. And, uh, and the Bob Dylans. I mean, even Bob Dylan will pop up every once in a while and put out an album out of nowhere that you're like, well, holy crap, this is fantastic. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Because they're just, it's in their, it's in their blood. It's in mm-hmm. their genes. You know? Well, and I'm actually excited to hear the next Neil Young album because Rick Rubin and him are working together on it. And there's a podcast I listen to with Jack White and um, Rick Rubin and... Neil Neil's actually recording this album during this podcast. So like they like took a break and they're recording the podcast and he walks in and they start talking and so <laughs> part of the podcast is them talking. They stop the podcast and then they listen to Neil's new album and Jack's like, "Wow, dude, this is like you're like you're going back to like <laughs> so I have a feeling that, you know, and, Neil, and Rick's really good at doing that, you know, getting the best out of people. Look like, at sure. Johnny Cash. All the good, all the good producers are able to do that. Yeah. And, and like I said people like Neil Young um, it's just it's ingrained in them. They're, they they make great music, and it, it's effortless for them. This is somebody I've never gotten into, and you guys may be into them. I'm not sure, but this album came out. Image and Words, uh, Dream Theater. I'm fairly there at best. Uh, I, me too. I always thought they were a little too um, polished for me. Okay, it sounds weird to say, but they they were kind of a big progressive rock guy. But uh-huh. I mean, they, they, to me, I like Dream Theater, but at the same time. In the same breath, I have to say, all of their stuff to me was they were all students of the GIT, BIT, DIT. Right. They all went to the Drum Institute of Technology. <laughs> all these, they were all, yeah. every single song was like, look how many notes I can put in there. Look how great, look, look how many fills I can put in a song. You know, it's going to be real loud, I'm sorry. But, you know, and, that's, and it just it seemed a little overbloated most. And not that they're yeah. not bad. And I saw them live once, and they were actually really good. And I, and I, I don't want to disparage them too much, but that was, that was the reason why I didn't get more into it. Still, wait. Here we go with another great freaking album. <laughs> this album, to me, and I know I'm not sure which one of it. It's you. I think it might be you. Don't feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> but I could be wrong. But this album, to me, when I saw them, 
that previous year or that same year live at Lollapalooza, out of all the bands besides Pearl Jam, seeing them finally, blew me the fuck away. And I'm like, fan for life. Was their debut album came out that year, Raised Against the Machine. Yeah, it's me. Yeah. And I fucking love that album still to this day. I still do too. I'm a huge Rage fan. I've seen yes. I've seen Rage Against the Machine every single time they've been to Denver. Yeah, and that includes when they opened up for you too. And I saw them at Lollapalooza. Um, I saw I mean, I, every time they've come to Denver, I've seen them. In fact, I I was mad at my friend recently when they you know they just announced this reunion tour. Uh, their first show was at Alpine Valley in Wisconsin, right near. near yeah, I've been and I could have went if I was yeah. there too. I had yeah. a friend of mine who went. And I had extra tickets. Like, oh, why didn't you tell me? I would have gone with you. I would have traveled to Wisconsin <laughs> yeah. to be at that show because he said it was amazing. Yeah. I actually saw videos of it. They were fantastic until yeah. Zach De La Rocha tore his ACL, so now they they're down for the count right now. Yeah. Although they'll be back. No, uh, Rage Against the that that album to me. Yes. is seminal. It's it's not. It's not even it just about the music. In music and time. Well, but music, but musically, the way they approached music, it was a rap rock kind of thing. But they had the political views that they they forcefully put forth. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just I think everything they've done has been fantastic. I will yes. I will venture to go back and listen to their catalog, yeah. and add that, and then maybe next time we sit down, I will have changed my opinion. But I just can't. What is it though? Past. What is it that I mean? I'm curious because that means that there's probably other people like that. I feel the same way. Well, you know, no, you know what it is to me is um, I, I don't know how much we talked about this. I know that I think I've talked to you about this on the side. I'm not sure much sure with Jack, um, but I realize that I have this tempo in my head. Yeah, right? I have this this natural tempo that that is just how I flow in the world. Right, mm-hmm. depending on my mood. Uh, it's like listening to uh, a lot of electronic music, right? Yeah. So you've got all these genres of electronic music. You've got house, you've got breakbeats, and you've got drum and bass, and you've got trance. You got trance. You know what I'm saying? And so, so my natural flow is, if I was going to put it somewhere, is somewhere between trance and maybe breakbeats, right? Okay. And drum and bass. If you ever listened to drum and bass, and if you ever listened to drum and bass on drum and bass, to me is great on drugs, right? Yeah. But just <laughs> listening to drum and bass to listen to drum and bass, I can't do because it's going. The opposite of that tempo that's in huh. my head, and that's Rage Against, Rage Against the Machine is one of those bands. Like I, it's like um, I just I can't sync with it. I can't yeah. get my mind to sync with it, and it sounds like noise to me. And that's kind of surprising because Brad Wilk and uh, what's his name, the the the, drama, the bass player, they, they're a solid rhythm. Yeah. Well, well no, it's not the rhythm. Yeah. It's, it's Zach's vocals. Yeah. Oh really? It's wow. Zach's vocals. I can't. And I can't, can't see like they tried to do some things years ago, a couple years back. With the guys from Cypress Hill, and it wasn't the same. But I love Cypress Hill. Yeah, see, they tried yeah, to like. Right, you're right. And I, and I, and I, just, I, I just I, could. I, I kept right. on hearing Zach, and I right. wanted Zach instead. Right. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that yeah. one. Sorry, that was a. I disliked that very much. Not I like Cypress Hill, and I like that. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a. Poor, they tried to mix. That, yeah, yeah, they tried to bring that same feel, and that's it's, it's it didn't not have even, it. Not yeah. even close. Yeah. I can't remember. The and name. they proved it with this because everybody wanted to see them when they got back right. together. And so I, I, I get it. It's like almost like somebody being a fan, sorry, of the Grateful Dead. Like you, right. do, you just don't you can, uh, connect yeah, to uh, it. Uh, yeah. the, the, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm, you, we're talking about Grateful Dead. We're talking about Fish. I go to see Fish because I want to hang out with my friends, right? Yeah. I like. I, I'm learning to appreciate the Grateful Dead, yeah. right? But I found Jerry Garcia on his own. I absolutely love mm-hmm. Jerry Garcia, and I don't know where that came from, right? Because it's, and maybe it's because I'm getting older, and my mind is yeah. slowing down, and I'm learning my lanes. I'm learning to to separate the noise and push some of that noise out. And maybe I can today. It's like the Beastie Boys. Like ten years ago, fifteen years ago, I couldn't listen to the Beastie Boys because of that tempo thing. Yeah. Uh, Paul's Boutique, all the way up to um, uh, the album that came out before, 
to the five boroughs, it was noise to me, right? And so maybe I can go back and listen to Rage Against the Machine. Now, I, I find as I get older, I'm, I'm appreciating music more and more that I didn't, that I couldn't see, I didn't yeah. understand. It could be, you know, that it many different reasons why there's a lot of anger involved I know with them you know it's supposed to be the voice of the underdog the, 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 the common person you know some people don't like them because of that like they're too political you know they're it, too it could be style too you, you hit a key word there for anger for me right so yeah. I have a, I internalize my anger right? yeah. and I have my anger music uh-huh. we're talking Sepultura we're talking Pantera we're talking if I'm angry and I want to go back to that place yeah, yeah. And, and I was way past that I had already developed that this is my anger music when uh-huh. Rage Against the Machine came out. Yeah. And I don't like carrying that anger. Right? Yeah. I don't like yeah, carrying yeah, that. And yeah. so Rage Against the Machine. And I totally get just, that. Just maybe, and now that I'm actually talking to you about this and actually getting it out, maybe Rage Against the Machine just amplified that for me. I'm like, that's not me anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even though I was internalizing it mm-hmm. and I carried it around for years and didn't want to, Rage, it fit that. And I'm like, if I'm going to be angry and I want to listen to something angry, I'll throw on Cowboys from Hell. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'll go, I'll go back to that. So, um, like I said, I'll go back and listen to it. Maybe I'll have a different opinion the next time around. Rage Against the Machine for me was the both. I could listen to it when I was in a good mood. I could listen to it when I was in a bad mm-hmm. mood. I can I can rally Straight around workout. the anger, <laughs> or I can be angry listening right. to it. And I still love I still love the first album a lot. I still yeah I think it's a classic. Yeah, and that to me was like one of those transitional moments too. I mean that was. We had what was before and what was after. Right. And that is <laughs> yeah. one of those, and that was one of those albums. Like yeah. they spinned off so many different people because of that. Right. You know, they're like, oh, we, like record companies are like, oh, we could do this now, you know, and that's what they did. You know, I mean, not to say they're exactly the same, but with your corns and with you know, they t- to take the you know the hip hop with the the hard rock, you know, almost there's there there's there's the way to kind of you know mix all that music together. Right. Okay. <laughs> so then. Morrissey had his solo album, Your Arsenal. That's yeah. actually not a bad album. I'm not a huge... More, yeah. well, I mean, I, or The Smiths. I don't understand. That's another band. I don't understand this enamored love of, oh my God, The Smiths. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, they're a good band, but I mean... They had Nick just, Cave and the Bad Seeds with I, I don't Henry's Dream, PJ, PJ Harvey, Dry, Tom Waits, Moan Machine. So all these came out. These are all alternative albums. But the album that I'm ending this bookend in here is an album I was bragging to you guys about earlier in this week. To me, is one of... I really think it is their best album. I will honestly say it out loud. And it's because my favorite song is an album, but there's also so many good tracks on it, and that is Dirt by Alice in Chains. Like, it was their, like, here we are, Alice in Chains, well, that this was, is what we well, are. that was their follow-up to Facelift. Mm-hmm. And Which Facelift, is a great album. Well, Don't get me no, wrong. No, no, I love no, it. No, no, I'm, I'm just I'm a big AIC fan in general. I liked mm-hmm. everything that Lane did. Um, Post Lane, it's a different, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. But I enjoyed everything that Lane was involved in, including the EPs. You know, the SAP EP. Oh my the, God. And the other one, I can't remember off the top of my head, but the two EPs they put out, also fantastic work. Uh, Jerry Cantrell, another great guy, a great architect of the sound, mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. with Lane's voice. But yes, Dirt was an amazing album. Because facelift broke them. Man in the box it was there. Like they were, they were not. They were almost like another Nirvana moment because they were right on the heels of Nirvana, and they came out from the same area and everything else. And how do I put this? 
um, Facelift was their date was a debut, and it, sometimes when you hear a band for the first time, it's, yeah. that's what it is. And then that second album is really who they are because yes. they're, they're allowed the time yeah. yes. and the space and the production yeah. to go. Hey, this yeah. is who we really are, right? Because these those first ones are songs they were like, okay, these are the songs we got to get out there. We got to uh-huh. do this. The second album, they have a little more time to really kind of flesh out and say, okay, this is us as a band, and that's what Dirt was in my opinion because mm-hmm. sonically it was better. The, the the lyrics were a little tighter. The music mm-hmm. was right there. Every person I have a hard time saying it was their best album because the the, uh, the self titled three album, the three legged dog album, was yeah. also very really very great. Good. Album. And that yeah, same, yeah. almost in that same vein as Dirt. Yeah. Maybe you're right. I, mean, I almost have to agree with you there. And, it, and, you know, and it's so. because of the one song that came out before that album came out because it was on a soundtrack to right. the movie Singles, and that was Wood. Right. And I've listened to that song a million fucking times. And to me, to this day, it's still one of the fucking, like... It's, it's a great song. It, it wow. had that way cool ending that people weren't yeah. ending songs like that. And, you know, it's a great song. Every song on there, there's, for better or for worse, all the the heroin-inspired songs that Lane wrote were just yeah. so good. You know, Godsmack and uh, Angry Chair and things like that yeah. were just, you know, I mean, the hymn, you we, we, we keep, must have a theme of recovery and drugs or something. Yeah. Or, you know, and addiction, <laughs> addiction in this, this episode, because that, that's what it was. It was Lane... Yeah. Putting it, putting his and out there, and we, I think we, you and I touched on um, Mad Season because they also put out an anniversary yes. album recently too, and that's a dark, dark album, and you know, really depressing album, but it's really good. I don't, I'm not saying it's not good, but it's a very dark and depressing album. And that's Lane putting his. Go, yeah. go, go listen to the live album that they put out with that 20th yeah. anniversary. It is it's beautiful. Amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah, and it, oh yeah, I love that album. And it's like that's once again a you know, group of musicians coming together, not necessarily for commercial gain, but they wanted to do it for their own edifice. And it, it for the fans of that album, and something came out of it. No, I'm just saying, but yeah. just just a mad season in general, and when they came together. Oh yeah, because they're all well, because, because it, well, Pearl, Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains were huge at the time, yep. and they both put that aside and said, hey, let's do this thing. We just let's just play. Yeah. And they did. Same with that's how Temple of the Dog happened. It was all about Andrew Wood. The lyrics, though, I mean, of Wood, to me, that you can tell, like you're just talking about, he's going through his shit and just talking about life decisions and what we do. And, and sonically, that out, that song, to me, I don't know what it is about the drums and then just the, the, the crescendos in it, you know, like with, you know, into the flood again. Just, just like you can just feel like this emotion coming out of that song. And, like, that's the catapult for that single soundtrack, too. That's the first song on that single soundtrack. Talk about putting, like, a from songs beginning to end on that album, you know, and the different styles and genres and stuff, to have their own little, like, piece of the pie on what that whole sound was. And I always say to people, like, there is the Rushmore of the Seattle sound, as you could say. You could say it's Nirvana, you can Pearl Jam and Soundgarden, but Alice in Chains... Was their uh, own be, thing. They would be the yeah. fourth, yeah, but they would yeah. be the fourth band on that on that Mount Rushmore. Yes, yeah. those are the big four, just like there's the big four of, of you know a thrash. Um, so you can, those are the big four of the grunge scene. I wouldn't yeah. even hit the, the scene. There we go. You 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 say yeah. my thought process because you, I thought you were going to say just grunge flat out. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's the grunge it's scene. The scene itself. Yes, because I I don't include if you use grunge grunge holistically. I actually don't include Alice in Chains. I would actually put Alice in Chains more on the Pantera and Megadeth and that metal scene. They I would say the same thing about um, Soundgarden. I see, I see that, and, and I wouldn't. I would include Soundgarden in the grunge scene. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so they were part of the scene, but I think they're musically they were far, far, far more advanced. Just like Pearl Jam. I don't, Pearl, I don't call Pearl Jam. Right. I don't either. either. I don't either. Yeah. yeah, they're a rock band now. Right. I mean, well, can, they always have. They yeah, always yeah. were. They just got. They were part of the scene. Right. And that's what so, happens. Well, it, takes it was. A, it was a. You know, you want to want to say it was the industry or 
media or whoever might it was a title they gave. Well, they them. always yeah. everything has yeah. to be labeled and yeah. put into a put into a nice little corner of, uh-huh. of, of you know so you can sell it. I get that. Um, but you know, as long as you wore flannels and gazed at your shoes, you were considered grunge. Yeah, and and I think <laughs> like we were talking about how rage helped push some of these other Allison changed it. I mean, there were so many bands that took that harmoni- that harmonizing and metal sound, like a different way of doing it. Jerry and Lane's, you know, vocals together, you know, like that harmony that right. I mean, when you when you hear like down in a hole and, and shit like that, you know, you feel what they're saying right, right there, right. you know. And you feel the emotion behind yeah. it. That was down in a hole is one of my uh, songs that like when I was in my I don't want to say I was in a depression, but I was going through some tough times. That was one of the songs I felt mm-hmm. I was very re- I was relating to that song quite a bit. Down in a hole, um, feeling so low, you mm-hmm. know, that this is kind of you. That's kind of it, it was it was a perfect way to describe mm-hmm. that feeling, and that's you know like I said Lane knew those feelings and he you know put it out there. Yeah. But that, that, it, you can even tie that into like Pretty Hate Machine for that matter. You know that that same kind of emotion and feel that people are going through. You know, Pretty that, Hate Machine is what nine tracks, ten tracks, uh-huh. or however long it is. Each one of those songs is a different aspect about what women are from a male perspective, mm-hmm. and that's still so that's a desert. Pretty Hate Machine's a desert island. I'm um, down in it though. I mean that that that's. You know, down the hole, you can you can make a comparison yeah. almost there. You know, yeah. you know for that matter. But but even Brewster, you know, ta- you know Jerry talking about you know his dad, you know, yeah. and you know right. being a Vietnam vet and stuff. I mean, that was you know to have that be a hit, you know, quote unquote. You know, yeah. I mean, well, it know. was a hit. That's that's like the one yeah. song that and then Bones are probably two Allison Chain songs I can do without hearing again. Yeah, because <laughs> radio overplayed once yeah, again. They did. I don't blame the artist. I blame but Angry the Chair was on there too. Love man. Angry Chair is yeah. one of my all time favorites. And then somebody ripped off. The one of their titles and made their own band, Godsmack, exactly. and you know, very influenced by them. And so, no, I but sound uh, nothing like them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, exactly, right. Um, what's crazy that I found out about like a lot. They they definitely tried a lot of different things. I I've listened to a few podcasts on, on this album and read some articles on it. Was that they were trying to sonically make a different kind of style? Right, it wasn't that. Um... Uh, who's the producer of that album? I, I want to say he he was very influential on quite a few things. Quite a few albums of that time too. Oh, I he did. He, I think I'm pretty sure it's the same artist who did uh, Independent. The same producer who did Independent. Yeah, they do right. talk about him too, and he definitely he went on to create other bands and stuff yeah, too. I'll yeah, have to look into but that. there was. But he, you could tell. He sometimes a producer has a, a stamp of a sound. Like when we talk about Rick Rubin quite often yeah. in this podcast, because I think we all respect Rick Rubin and yeah. what he's done. Um, but he has when you can almost tell when it's a Rick Rubin produced album. Yeah. And this guy, um, I can't remember. It's gonna drive me nuts. So I can't remember his name, but he. Um, they recorded this album um, during the riots too. This album was during the whole LA, LA riots, riots and stuff, and so there that motion was going into it too. Sure. The whole transition in society and views and and different looks and uh, one of these things that uh, here's one of these bands that I still listen to you know quite often when I can, and this album to come out that year. I remember I played the hell out of that CD, man. I mean that that was one of my worn out CDs definitely you know, that year. Dave Jordan, sorry, Dave Jordan was the producer of that album. And he yeah. uh, he did quite a few albums around that time frame, and he's he's definitely good for that. He he's good for a denser sound. I think that's, that's I guess I mean his trademark, and it and it works with certain bands. Yeah, yeah. Allison <laughs> Chains covered Tears by Rush. Tears. Tears. Wow. Yeah, from twenty one twelve. Wow. Okay. What I love though too is <laughs> that I did not know that. One thing to, you know, also tie all these bands in together is that all those bands are friends. They all, you know, hang out, do things together, so on and so forth. And even the previous bands, like, 
I mean, Heart, you know, Heart is part of like that family of like all those guys. They were one know? of the first big bands out of that. Band. Yeah. Well, I just want to go all the way back to Hendrix. Hendrix from Seattle yeah. area too, you know. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, Seattle's always been a hotbed of music, just kind of like Chicago and Nashville and Cleveland, you know, the Ohio scene yeah. and things like that. You know, there's there's certain parts of the country that are always going to foster yeah. um, those things because people will, people will travel from other places to go there to be part of a scene, mm-hmm. you know. So even, you know... Yeah, I'd love to visit there someday uh-huh. and actually see I'd the like, museums. Like, I would like to go that. to see. I, I, that specific Northwest is one of the few parts of the country um, I really have not got a chance to explore quite as much as I'd like to. Yeah, this is uh, definitely one of those eras, though. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to even doing another one for '93 here, when because '93 has my fate, one of my top ten favorite albums of all time, which we'll get into another time. Okay. And that is, <laughs> but to give you a little tease, is that my favorite album that came out that year in '93. Is verses by Pearl Jam. Oh, it's my yeah. favorite Pearl Jam. Well, I said I think I said that when you posted that on Facebook recently. Yeah. That verses and possibly yield. They're pretty close. Yeah. Because uh, I I enjoyed both those albums quite a bit. Their later the later stuff that's come out has been good, but those are the verses has my favorite song, which is Rearview Mirror. Yeah. Oh God, mine too, man. That's, that's just, my favorite Pearl Jam song. Things are a lot more clear now. You're in my Rearview <laughs> <Yeah>. Mirror. Um, <laughs> but that's another example yes. of. First album versus follow-up. First album successful. Second album's like, okay, we're going to do what we want to do. Hit or miss with bands. And that's one thing I wanted to get into. And that is one thing we definitely got into. How many times did you hear you know from me in that podcast, folks? Hope you weren't doing shots. You'd probably be obliviated by now. I can't help but hear you know a million times in that podcast. Pretty funny. Um, you know, <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed that uh, conversation with Jeremy and Jack. It was truly a great conversation about the music from 92. And I am looking forward to doing an episode on 93 next year. So uh, stay tuned for that. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at Music Seeds, you can do so by email at ozomatfan87 at gmail.com. That is ozomatfan87 at gmail.com. Also through Facebook at musicmadeseeds at facebook.com. Also TikTok at Johnny Come Lately at TikTok. Also Instagram under Johnny Evans. Would love to hear from you. Would also like for you to subscribe by hitting the subscribe button. If you have anything you want to say, hit up for a review underneath this podcast. I want to thank you all for listening. I want to thank Jack and Jeremy for sitting down. Looking forward to doing more conversations with them. Also, I want to uh, inform you that we are going to be doing some more recordings with some new folks. And I'm looking forward to that. Also mixing it up with maybe some of the past people intertwining together. So we'll see what next year leads with that. And I hope you all have a great holiday season. We are now in December here. Looking forward to heading to a couple shows here in the next week or so. The Smile, which is Radiohead, Tom York, and Johnny from Radiohead. Also, I'm going to be seeing Nathaniel Radcliffe in the Night Sweats with Marcus Munford. Coming up here in the next week or so. So I'll let you know about those when I come back from those shows. Thank you for listening, folks, and if you could do anything for me out there,
please do your best to take care of each other. Until next time. Hi, this is Johnny. I'm your host, and you are listening to Music Seeds. The music that made us. <laughs>